Welcome to the SOS Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Smallwood, and you are listening to Episode 3. Viktor Frankl once said, If there is meaning in life at all, then there must be meaning in suffering. My interview with Stacey Thacker was a conversation about life, including the suffering of the last five years for her family. Navigating the death of her father, her husband's sudden cardiac arrest that he thankfully survived, and her daughter's illness have all influenced the books that Stacy has written and will write. Even after six books, I have no doubt she has more in her to share with the world. So much of what Stacy shared resonated with me, as the last three years have been particularly hard for our family as well. When I suffered an unexpected health event in 2016, we quickly learned that such a trauma does not just impact the person who is sick, but the entire family. It rocked the very foundation of our family, and in many ways, those fault lines remain. We've rebuilt our lives around those cracks in the foundation, but our footing doesn't feel as steady as it did before. Finding the meaning in the midst of suffering is a task that is as old as humankind. The Bible is full of stories of people trying to do just that, make sense of suffering. This is why I so firmly believe in the power of sharing our stories. Listening to the stories of people like Stacy can provide us solidarity, and even more importantly, hope. Stacy and I had some major technical difficulties during this recording. I did my amateur best to edit most of it out, but trust me, you will still get plenty out of our conversation. Here is Stacy's story. Good morning, Stacy. How are you? Hi, Melissa. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, and I'm excited for you to be here today. Well, this is going to be a great conversation. I always love chatting with you. Ditto. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little early, though. It is, yes, but this is the only time that my house is quiet enough to record podcasts. (laughs) I I understand this, but I just wanted you to know, and you'll appreciate this, I've got my, I'm going to just say third-ish cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, my lukewarm cup is sitting right beside me. Now, why is it so hard to get coffee at the perfect temperature? Like, I feel like when you achieve that, like, there should be angels singing or there should be, like, you know, some sort of moment. Yes, and I deserve an award for the days I don't have to reheat it three times in the morning. <sighs> <laughs> okay, how many times do you forget where it is? Oh, That's the real the question. All the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. We're on the same page then today. We are. So- <laughs> Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself before we dive into the interview questions. Well, other than I'm completely addicted to coffee, you mean. So we'll just start there. Um, (laughs) This is why I'm addicted to coffee. Um, I am a wife of almost 25 years. My husband and I will be married 25 years in like two weeks, which is crazy. It's it's amazing and crazy all at the same time. It just, I mean, just goes by so quick. Um, It feels like yesterday we were in college and all the things. Um, And then we have... Yeah, I'm sorry. I said I can relate. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then we have four girls. Um, Our girls um, are 19, 16, almost 13. So in like two weeks, we'll have three teenagers. Wow. Which is going to be fine. And then we have a nine-year-old, and they are just, you know, they're great girls. They're all in the various stages of growing up and launching. And we're, you know, we've got a, um, our oldest has just graduated about a year ago and is trying to find her way. And you know, it's just such an interesting time for us as we raise these girls and just try to figure out what's on their heart and where the Lord is leading them and how to draw them out the best mm-hmm. that we know how. 
with so much prayer and um, advice from people that are smarter than we are. Um, and then we live in Central Florida. We've been here, oh goodness, about 16 years. We live very close to that famous mouse, which um, <laughs> we don't get to see him very much. However, <laughs> it's a super nice place to live. And um, I'm a writer and a, well, first I'm a blogger. That's how you and I met. Yes, we it is. A long time ago. The blogging spherish world since good gravy, probably since we started, because I started in 2009. When did you start? I started in 2008, and I think we met in person um, in at Relevant in 2010. That sounds right. Oh, I miss those days. I know, me too. The blogging world. Um, yeah, so I've been blogging since 2009, and that really um, started out of my heart to just minister and encourage women. And from there, um, a spark of an idea led to a blog series with my friend Brooke McLaughlin, and then that led to an ebook, and that led to traditional publishing. And lo and behold, a few years later, I've written about six books, which also seems crazy to me that that was the Lord's plan when I first hit post on my 29 Lincoln Avenue blog so many years ago. Yep. So I'm a writer and I'm a speaker when the, when the need arises. Um, my heart, is, I'm a Bible teacher. I love teaching the word and getting women around a table and talking about scripture. And um, yeah, and I drink a lot of coffee and I homeschool my girls. So that's pretty much it. But, you know, yeah. I cover all the bases. Yeah, so. nothing major. You don't have anything going on. Not a lot. We're, we're pretty bored around here. <laughs> um, well, I wanted to talk a little bit first about your book, Fresh Out of Amazing, because um, for those listeners that don't know, I led a group of about 50 women through that study online, um, Foster mm-hmm. and Adoptive Mamas. And this book just spoke to us on so many levels. Um, and so I wanted to um, glean some more wisdom from you um, from some of the passages that like really stood out to us when we were doing it. Oh, I would love that. That, that does my heart so much good to hear that. It blessed your group. I, when you messaged me and told me you were doing that, I, I burst into tears. <laughs> like, Oh, Jesus, please. This is, you know, it's such a gift. It's just a gift to be able to get any feedback at all, but to know that it ministered to these women that I just believe honestly are just so on the front lines of what matters to the Lord. And um, so I'm really glad that it encouraged y'all. That makes me, it blesses me more than it probably blesses you. So. That's awesome. Um, so in one chapter, you talk about making the mistake of comparing our messy places to mm-hmm. the cleaned up versions of other people's messy places. So talk for a minute about living in an Instagram, Snapchat culture, how we can avoid that. Oh, golly. You know, my first thought is it's, it's really hard. I mean, I was even just thinking about this the other day as um, I was just struggling with the Lord and some things in our lives. And, you know, it's just, we go on social media cause it's, it's numbing in a way. Like it's, it's, um, it's passive. Right. Um, I think a lot of us who, I mean, I love social media don't get me wrong. Like I try to use it for the good and to encourage and to connect. And, you know, I, I think there, it's a tool that can be very effective, but for the most part, we're numb or we're trying to um, avoid when we're on it. Um, and we get these little tiny windows into people's lives. And, um, you know, there's this powerful thing called edit on your phone and you can edit pictures and you can, <clears throat> you can change perspectives and you can cut out all the noise and all the drama. And, you know, we see these tiny moments in people's lives um, and it, it hurts us. Like it's almost like it's painful, but we still keep looking and we keep thinking, now, why is their life? so much better than mine mm-hmm. uh, but really um they probably have mess in their lives too they've just shifted that focus but you were okay. saying that 
um, adjusting the focus? Yeah, I think you have to adjust the focus. I think you have to realize that um, the the picture that we're seeing is just not the same. Like there's a broader picture. I think going into that, if you know that, if you know when you're on social media and you're seeing that, that everybody has a messy in their life, they just may, they may be choosing not to share that. And and that's fine. Everybody has that perspective. I think we just have to know that. Um, I think when we, I, mean, I think I said when we connect with other women in real life, or even in a more a form that's a little bit more um, uh, clear, uh, we we always tend to say, "Wow, my life is a lot more like hers than I thought." Exactly. You know? Yeah. And I think we have to keep that in mind. Especially, and I love social media. Like, don't get me wrong, I love it. But I think a lot of times we're using it to numb pain or to avoid life. And then on top of that, we get hit with, oh, my goodness, everyone's life is so much better than mine. And it's just it's just simply not true. Um, I think we just have to know that going in. Absolutely. Another thing that um, struck us reading the book was about when people disappear from your life, when mm. you're in the middle of a mess. And in mm. the foster adoptive world, that actually happens a lot. And I think it's because people don't know um, how to help or what to say or things like that. And, um, and because we do what you also talked about, which is sometimes we hide and we skip opportunities yeah. to connect. Um, mm-hmm. I know that you've walked through a really difficult time after your father passed away. And then your husband had this massive health event mm-hmm. as someone who has had a massive health event. I know mm-hmm. the impact that can have on the entire family. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about walking through that and allowing other people to step into the mess with you. Yeah, I think, oh goodness. I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole conversation there. I think, here's what I think. I think when you go through a really hard thing or you, you sign up for, for really, and I think, I think the foster adoptive world is similar in this way is it's, it's not a one-time deal. It's a long journey. Like it's, it's for the long haul. Right. It's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And, you know, and what you've experienced in your health crisis and what we've gone through with uh, my husband's health crisis as well is it's just a long, it's a long journey. And, and, and people are great and they're wonderful um, and they can be amazing. The body of Christ can be absolutely stunning. Um, but what we found and the hard thing just to come to try to wrap your brain around is that, is a lot of times people just run out of grace. They just cannot hang with you. And it's not like, I don't fault them for that, but they're not Jesus, right? They're not, they're not the Lord who has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, but people let us down. And so I think you have to just, you have to know that um, I've got to gain my strength and my source in Christ first. And then anything else that comes along, um, anyone else that walks with me, even even if it's just joining me for part of the journey, mm-hmm. we have to be able to welcome that. And sometimes we have to teach people how to walk with us. We have to say, okay, this is what I need. I'm really bad at that. Like telling people, we'll say, what do you need? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, most of the time what I need is someone just to say, you know, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. It's going to be, you're going to be fine. Like, I just need someone to say that. Right. So I think as you're, as you're walking in um, either uh, any situation that requires um, an endurance beyond a a few weeks or, um, you know, you're in it for the long haul is recognize that there's going to be people that come in and out of your life and God will most likely provide that. It may not be the same person from beginning to end, but you have to recognize the heart of those that come in and out of your life as a gift from him, but also don't, 
don't necessarily fault the people who just couldn't hang with you. And most people aren't vindictive or, or bad people in, in, in a way. I think they just, they just run out of steam. They just can't stay with you. And I think that calling to the long journey is we just have to, we have to extend grace to people, but also realize that there's no substitute for the Lord. Exactly. Um, and that's hard to do. And I, I've done it better sometimes than others, but also not hiding. Like, so that's the part about hiding. That's kind of my, um, my, when I'm really tired and I'm really weary, that's my defense mechanism is just to collapse within myself and to hide and just avoid people. Like just when I go to church, like go the back way. You know? right. so I, I know all my friends are going to be hanging out, like avoid. And while they're um, singing the closing song, I sneak out. Oh, totally did that this week myself. Oh my gosh, we my church a little bit. You know, so it's it's easy to do that, and um, because being vulnerable is really hard. It's just and it's hard to be vulnerable for a long time. And when people know your stuff, oh man, boy, that's hard, right? I mean, you don't write a book like Fresh Out of Amazing, and people think, oh my goodness, she's got it together. <laughs> like, people are like, oh come on now, get get your life together a little bit because we're a little tired of it all. But um, I think for me, I found out that I, I have to um, I have to be open. And if I'm going to live that way, sometimes it's hard. Um, and to find a few people that you can just be real with. And um, when you really want to hide, just say, you know, I texted a friend this week. I said, you know, I really want to quit. <laughs> That's what I said. And she sent me some she sent me a. Um, a podcast to listen to, you know, so people like that, that, that are going to stay consistent, but also realize that when that's not available, um, that the Lord is your go-to. Absolutely. Absolutely. um, Yeah. And I love in the book, how you walk us through losing your song in Mm. the Valley of Bitterness and then getting it back and worshiping even. Uh Yeah. Um, That's really the message of, in the back part of the book, we talk about Habakkuk, which is that's an that's a amazing, short, really great book. If you're really wrestling through something, it's basically a book on prayer, which I know you have such a passion for. Yes. Um, book, I just learned that recently, that Habakkuk is a book on prayer. But um, yeah, I really, um, when my dad passed away, it's been five years ago, I, um, they, they asked me to sing at his funeral. And I was like, there's no way. There's like no way. I, could, I couldn't even stand up. Like, I was like, how do you sing when you can't speak? Right. And so I couldn't do it. And every... Every week after that, it just, I just, like the song just returned very slowly for me. Um, and then it just like, I could just listen to worship music and not cry. And then, then I could kind of sing a verse before I started, I started crying. And then just really through the process, it was about a year before I was actually able to lead worship. Because that's uh, something I get to do on occasion at my church is to, it's to- yeah. so okay, tell great. Me, so tell me about what it was like to lead worship finally, when you could get yourself back to that place. Oh, wow. It was, um, it was, I think probably just a very dependent moment for me. Like I really, I remember the day when I, when I led for the first time, I really like, I couldn't feel my legs beneath me. Like I really felt really strengthened and carried, but the more that I did it, the like I could feel that strength of the Lord, you know, there's strength will rise when we wait upon the Lord kind of thing. Like I really yes. felt the Lord um, really affirming that and calling it out. And um, I remember, um, something else happened that day, which is not talked about in Fresh Out of Amazing, but I talk about later, but my daughter was actually in the process of getting sick and um, had, had something that happened at church that same day. And I remember getting through all of that, even just coming back to worship and then having this new hard thing to deal with, with my daughter. And um, I remember one of my pastors saying, it just keeps getting better. And I said, but you know what? It's not me. I just, there was never a moment I think that I ever really thought it was ever me. Um, right. But it was, it was, it was such a gift. It was such a gift to, 
to hear the Lord singing that through me and to know, you know what, this is, this is, this is just a time to stand and proclaim God is good. You know, when we worship from hard places, I think that it, what it shows people around us is that our God is good, that he's faithful. And even when it's hard, he's worth stepping out in faith and declaring it. It's like a victory song, right? It, um, it, it, it shows people that, um, that you can go through hard things and still be walking with the Lord and trusting him. Right. Absolutely. Um, the last little tidbit I'm going to pull from the book is you talk about defining moments may be beautiful to watch, but they could be terrifying to live through. And I wondered if you would just pick a defining moment, because I know you've had several, um, and talk about walking through the terrifying. Mm. Oh, golly. Um, you know, probably the most recent one, which really isn't for amazing happened, um, so Fresh Out of Amazing came out in um, 2016, the fall of 2016. Um, and then um, in February of 2017, my husband suffered um, a cardiac arrest, a sudden cardiac arrest. Um, he had no symptoms. It was a sudden, I mean, it was, it's an electrical issue with his heart. Right. Um, and there was moments in that that were um, just, it was like jumping off a cliff. Like I remember feeling like, you know, being at that point, we, we were given no hope whatsoever and, um, walking in to meet with the doctors and having them, um, actually tell us that there was hope. Um, when I really thought I was going in to get, um, the worst news that I could have gotten at the time. Um, and it was, it was terrifying. And yet, um, once I surrendered it, um, there was this, there was this calm, this kind of undercurrent of calm. Um, but the people around, um, we're experiencing even something that, that I didn't understand. And I, it was almost like a revival happening around the people that were surrounding us. Cause they were getting, they were getting to be involved in a miraculous event right? Um, and getting to watch our family go through just, you know, the worst imaginable thing you could. Um, and so it's, it's hard to walk through, but I think when the Lord is ordaining your steps and you're, you're, you're depending on him, you, you begin to kind of see it almost from um, almost like it's happening to you, but you can also kind of observe it at the same time. I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever. It does, absolutely. Um, but I think also just being willing to let other people into those moments. Um, it's just such a ministry yes. um, for them and for you. And then remember people kept emailing me going, I can't believe what God is doing. This is so amazing. And, and yet my life still felt it was very fragile and very small and very painful. Right. And I remember, oh, I'm so glad God is using this for other people. And I was like, oh, but I'm hanging by a thread, you know, um, but, yes. but you know, he gets the glory. And that, not again, that place of fresh out of amazing where I can't turn in any of that, Melissa, and go, well, that was me. Right. Um, absolutely. And those are powerful moments. For sure. Absolutely. So um, tell us a little bit about your most recent book? Um, my most recent book, okay, can I, I need to grab a different um, pair of headphones. My headphones just kicked out on me. So. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. This is real life. This is real technology in real life right here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My most recent book. So I started a series called um, 
The Girlfriend's Guide to the Bible. And I have a couple books in that series, just basically writing through books of the Bible. I just have a passion for God's word. And the most recent one is called When Grace Walks In, and it is based on the book of Ephesians and really just takes you um, chapter, pretty much chapter by chapter, kind of pulled out the big themes um, of really um, a life that's grace made and, and really what that looks like and that we have true worth in Christ and that we belong first to Christ and then to the body. And then, you know, what prayer, like Ephesians is a prayer book and um, a lot on prayer. And then also the, um, the idea that we can walk worthy in a manner of our calling. And then, you know, the spiritual armor and, and, and then how do we not walk away from our first love? Um, so those are kind of the strong themes through that book. Um, it was, I wrote that after Mike had his cardiac arrest. And so it was really a place that God began to do a healing work in me mm-hmm. um, as I was walking post trauma. Um, so it's, it's a very special book to me for sure. That's awesome. Um, and you have a online conference coming up, right? I do. Um, I'm part of a, um, a conference called Enjoy God's Word. And it is um, through, I don't remember if you would have known Katie or is another blogger. We all started kind of at about the same time. Yes, I'm familiar with her. She's a Bible teacher and has just gathered a bunch of uh, women who have a passion for God's word. And um, she's going to be teaching through the book of Philippians. And then there's like 23 breakouts of all different things, you know, practical Christian living, some on parenting, some on prayer, just a lot of different things with that. And um, just, yeah, I'm working behind the scenes with that because I just love her heart and her mission. And um, and I'm actually, one, my talk is based on when Grace walks in. And so that's, that's coming up. That's um, in two weeks and tickets are available and it's, you have lifetime access. So it's a great thing for busy, busy mamas who don't have time to go to a conference and they want to, um, you know, maybe kind of watch at their own pace and right. kind of maybe talk here and there. Uh, but it, it's going to be great. It's, I'm really excited about that for sure. Well, be sure to email me the link and I'll share it on um, the show notes. Absolutely. I would love to. I would love to. So one question that I've been asking everyone that I interview is how do you maintain your sense of Stacy? outside of all your roles, homeschooling, mom, author, speaker, wife. Wow. That is a great. (laughs) I know I stumped everybody with it, but I think it's so important. (laughs) Okay. So, um, I am approaching my 48th birthday is coming up in May. No way. It is. Yeah. Here's the funny thing, Melissa, is I thought I was 48 last year and I kept telling people (laughs) that. And so my daughter kept saying, mom, you're only 47. I was like, oh, that's so great. I thought I was 48 already. Um, and so that gives you a little bit of window of my, my maintaining my sense of Stacy. Cause I don't even know how old I am. Um, <laughs> what's really funny is I feel like in these past few 10 or so years, since I've been writing, I've, um, I think I've really discovered more of who's, who I am as a person and how God has made me. And, um, that's been such a gift to be able to kind of write from a place of who I am and what God is doing. Mm -hmm. So definitely writing comes into that. Um, I am learning a lot lately about um, abiding and being still in the Lord. And that is something I really struggle with and just trying to be comfortable with just simply being still and trusting in him to do what he's going to do so that I can do what I can do, which is be still and trust and be from that place instead of from a place of busyness. Um, so I think for me is, is intentionally taking breaks. I don't do it very well. Um, writing for sure. Even if I'm just writing for my own heart, like in a journaling kind of way, 
Um, and also making sure that I'm spending time with people who um, don't need something from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard. That's hard as a mom and as a ministry leader and as someone that um, I'm the, you know, I'm the, I'm the Martha in the book, right? Like right. I'm the one that is fixing and taking care of. Um, I love that. But being, being with people who just um, don't necessarily need something from me, because that's more soul filling for me. And so, yeah, um, I guess a couple things and uh, honestly, work in progress. Like I, I'm not very good at all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all relate to that. Um, do will- you know what your Enneagram number is? I, I am a two. Okay. I so, have, I'm a one with a, with a two wing. So I, I can understand. Yeah. I, I don't know if I, I think the one wing, my responsibility pulls hard on one, but also three, I'm, I'm a little bit of a people pleaser too. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I can be a performer, but I think the two part is I love getting that affirmation. I love to know that I'm helping and I'm serving and people love me because mm-hmm. of what I give them. Like that's, whew, yeah, yeah, that's, that nailed me. That's, I knew it was that when I cried, when I heard the description, I was like, okay, yes. yeah, that's me. <laughs> yes. I've heard, I think it's the Enneagram coach. Um, one of those ladies on Instagram has said that when you read the description that brings emotion, um, you found your type. Yeah. It's that one. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Definitely <laughs> a two. I'm, um, the, I'm the mama. I'm the mama of the group. So, yeah. So we um, have been doing this online ministry thing for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Oh, gravy. Well, my first thought is, is being a grandmother, which is terrifying because my <laughs> oldest is, my oldest is 19. So that's definitely possible. I could definitely have kids, uh, grandkids in 10 years, which is so funny to yes, me. And it's so fun. Um, and yes, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I know it will be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's a possibility. I think it, here's the other truth is in 10 years, I'll finally be done with homeschooling. Yes. So that, my youngest is nine. So I think we have, well, actually I think it's like nine years, but that also is slightly terrifying to think that I'm going to still be doing that in the next nine years. <laughs> I think that changed a lot for me because I've, I do it a lot differently than I used to. Um, I think, you know, I think all that we've gone through in our lives and I, and I'm not, um, I'm not crazy enough to think that there won't be more hard things coming down the road. Right. Um, but I, I think I've, I've learned that there's never a pit so deep. And I, and I, I feel like this is Corey Ten Boone or her sister, I'm not going to remember the exact person who said it, but there's no pet so deep that God is not deeper still. Quote. Oh, okay. I think it's Corey Ten Boone. I think it's actually her sister. I'm not even hundred percent sure, but it's something to the effect of um, there's no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. Yes. Um, so whatever happens and wherever we are in the next 10 years, I think I've tried and tested that one out. Pretty <laughs> yeah. Uh, walking through God in during deep and hard times has shown me that, um, that's really where we cling to him. It's really, um, where we, we sense his closeness. Yeah. Um, but I think in the next 10 years, I, I hope I'm still writing. Um, I hope that my girls have launched well, um, that they're doing and pursuing what God has called them to do. And, and whether that's raising families or working or serving him full time, you know, whatever God has for them as well. That's right. That's definitely part of the next 10 years for sure. Yes. I'm in that same stage of life where I've already launched some and then we have mm-hmm. one more at home to launch mm-hmm. and looking down the pike 10 years is kind of exciting because mm-hmm. I have no idea where yeah. God's going to take all of them and what he's going to do with us um, as a couple when we don't have any kids in the house. And it's kind of yeah. exciting. It is. It is. 
So share with um, my listeners what you're watching, what you're reading, and what you're listening to these days. Okay. Listening to, um, there is a, a new song by Francesca Battistelli called Defender. Yes. Oh. Okay. It's actually a Rita Springer song, an old song. I think that she's remade. Just download it, play that. It's every time I hear it, I just weep. It just talks about how God goes before us and he did, he just fights for, it's beautiful. It's that, that one's on repeat on my playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm listening to that. Um, what I'm watching, oh goodness. You know, I tend to watch things with my, my little, cause my big kids go off and watch things that are not good for nine-year-olds right not to say that they're bad it's just something different but um we um just re-watched all of when calls the heart because we're mourning that being off for a while and so yeah. we've like all of that so we're waiting expectantly for that to come back on and then what I'm reading um I just finished Lisa Turkhurst's book called it's not supposed to be this way which oh, is isn't it's it good so, if you are this is true truth if you're in the middle of something read that book yes it's so good I couldn't agree um, more and then fiction, because I like to read a lot of fiction as well. Um, I've been reading, I just finished um, Becoming Mrs. Lewis, um, which is a fictional look at Joy uh, David Davidson, um, who married C.S. Lewis. It's fictional, but it's it's really good because you kind of get like a little bit of a sneak peek behind the scenes of his writing. And it's really Neat. good. Too. That's amazing. Good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you powering through all these technical difficulties with me. <laughs> And sharing your heart with my listeners. Um, And I will connect everyone with ways they can connect with you um, on the show notes page. Well, thanks, Melissa. Thanks for what you're doing. I love your heart. I love your passion, not only to um, serve, but to use your story to encourage women. And um, there's something really powerful about being willing to relive and re-experience what you've gone through to comfort and encourage women who are right in the thick of it. So. I love watching Second that. Corinthians one girl. That's right. Right. <laughs> and that we have to keep telling ourselves that God will use it. There's a purpose behind it. And when we get to turn around and comfort other people um, and it's, it's beautiful to watch you do that. So thank you. Well, thank you. And thanks for joining us today. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Isn't Stacy inspiring? She and I share a love for coffee and writing words that will hopefully impact others in a positive way. One of the things that our interview touched on was how people, as a friend, a fellow church member, a colleague, etc., can support someone going through a time of intense suffering. Stacy compassionately shared that it's okay that not everyone can hang with you through your darkest time. I think it's important to add that when in the midst of my struggles the last few years, I wasn't looking for a friend to have all the answers or to help me make sense of the suffering. I was looking for someone to sit with me in my pain. Thankfully, I have those types of friends in my life, and I know Stacy does too. If you know someone going through a really difficult time, don't feel pressure to have all the answers or magical words of wisdom. Your presence and love are the greatest gifts you can offer. Till next time, go write your story.